from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamidra. And we're the hosts of The Cooler, your weekly dose of pop culture commentary. This week, we're talking about the dark world of competitive tickling. What? Okay. Mm. You heard that right. That's the thing. We're also talking about why you need to stop pretending like you know it all. Because you don't. And why you should love surfing, skydiving, green card holding Keanu Reeves as much as I do. But before we get to all of that, we have a little bit of news for you. We're actually going on a mini spring break, but don't worry. We'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. That's April 13th, so mark your calendars. And now, on to the show. So, what do you think of when you hear the word tickling? Oh, it gives me all kinds of weird and complicated feelings. Oh, really? Yes. It makes me feel like a victim. Wow. <laughs> I feel like you just went so dark there instantly. Well, you're picking up on something. I'm saying. So I heard about this documentary called Tickled, and the poster is a feather, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be about like a weird tickling fetish or yeah, something. Light and fluffy. What, what could be more yeah. sweet and fun? Yes, I'm in. Yeah. So I watched it last night. I'm scared mm. to even be doing this segment. <laughs> Is somebody coming for you? I'm ex- they might be. Why? Listen, I thought it was going to be about these weird internet videos of people tickling each other. Yeah. And it was about that, but it was also about something much darker and something much more disturbing than that. Our story begins in New Zealand with this guy, Daniel Ferrier. He's a reporter, and he found these videos of young men dressed in Adidas gear tickling each other. The person who's being tickled is strapped <gasps> to a mattress. Ah. Legs and arms. Ah, victims. See, I told you. Mm-hmm. So David Ferrier, this reporter, sees these videos and is like, oh, this seems interesting, like interesting enough for like a short piece or something. So he contacts this company, which is based in America, called Jane O'Brien Media, who runs these monthly events, which calls for young athletes to participate in something called competitive endurance tickling. Oh, already the word endurance. Mm -hmm. When you say young athletes. Mm -hmm. They're of age, but they're pretty young. I was going to say, we could just cut it right here. Why do they need to be athletes? Oh, it's the endurance element, I suppose. Well, so like people with muscles are hotter to some people. I don't know. It's a fantasy. Still trying not to judge. Still trying not to judge. So. How did you end up watching this again? (laughs) (laughs) So they will fly you out to LA, put you up in a swanky hotel, pay you $1,500 to be in these videos. This just got real Lady in the Tramp. This Uh, is like on some, yeah. Don't tell me anymore. I'm in. I just, (laughs) I don't. (laughs) So. Our friend David Mm -hmm. asked for an interview. He receives the following response from a woman named Debbie Cooch. Hey, I don't know. That's her (laughs) name. (laughs) I was about to laugh at the Debbie bit. I don't know why that struck me Mm -hmm. as funny. Yeah, double whammy right there. Yep. So she sends him daily emails in response to just a basic interview request. Here are some excerpts from these emails. The Daily Debbie. To be brutally frank... Association with a homosexual journalist is not something we will embrace. The competitive reality tickling is a passionately and exclusively heterosexual athletic endurance activity. To me, anything concerning homosexuality is at best an objective disorder. Shame on you, little gay kiwi. Whoa. And then wait the F word that little is for gay, gay people. Oh. Kiwi? So David found this response to be 
a bit strange mm, because if you 70s. watch the videos, they're a bit homoerotic. Two okay. dudes tickling yeah. each other? Yeah. Not even just two. There's two dudes, they each have a foot each. Oh, A man gosh. straddling the midsection and tickling the belly. Your and then... Don't do that with your hands. Your hands are tentacling. <laughs> don't do that. And another man towards the head and the armpits. So it's like a gangbang tickling session. So here oh. I am, trying not to judge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And yet Debbie, Cooch, Cooch, is judging. He's like, well, this all seems pretty gay. And then you're like being really homophobic. You must be hiding something. So he keeps digging. And I'm really glad he did because, wow. He immediately gets a cease and desist letter from some lawyer. And when he refuses, Jane O'Brien Media sends not one, not two, but three people in person to come to New Zealand and tickle him <laughs> and deal with him <laughs> and that might involve tickling <laughs> imagine somebody hops out the bushes and just tickles you I would die I would die of a heart attack that sounds to me like a bad dream right? I would say where's my $1,500 give it to me Run I know what I'm worth me my check yes. traveler's checks accepted yeah make it in euros because it's worth more so David hears about these men coming to New Zealand. Instead of being scared, he's like, bring it on. Mm. He makes a custom sign that says, welcome, Jane O'Brien Media. And he stands there for hours waiting for the people to come off the plank. He gives zero you-know-whats. Huh? And so these guys show up, and it's it's calm in the beginning. And then they see the cameras, and they flip out. The next day, they meet at a Hilton conference room. Ground zero for tickling the Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> And so he secretly records it with his coffee cup. And Ooh, I like this. Yeah, it's really good. And one of the Jane O'Brien people yells, you started this fight. You mocked us. You attacked us in an airport. If you want to stick your head in a blast furnace, do it. (gasps) What do you have to hide? Right? So eventually these dudes return to America. David is being threatened with legal fees. They're like, we're going to bankrupt you, you gay Kiwi, like whatever. And he said... I've never heard threats like this in my life and all this over some tickling. I, I'm with him. And I'm all he did was basically say, I'd like to know more about this. Yeah. They, they could have like, just nope. like played it cool and just like given him like a boilerplate little yeah. quote. Yeah, called it a day. Instead, this was happening. So because he's a badass, he's like, I'm not going to be scared off. He travels to the U.S. to interview some of the men in these videos to like figure out like what goes into them and whatever. Most of them say, no, I can't talk to you because they're like nervous for some reason. And then... David finds out why they're nervous because he talks to a guy named TJ who was in some of these videos because he needed to raise money for a family member who had cancer and like they were poor. And so he just did some tickling, got paid, thought that was that. And the videos weren't supposed to be released. They're supposed to be for someone's private collection. Mm -hmm. But then a year later, they are released on YouTube. He finds it when Googling himself and is like, Oh, hey, Jane O'Brien, can you take down that video? We never agreed to oh, this. Oh, wait, so his name is associated with the videos. First and last. Oh, Whoa. gosh. What a violation. And so he says, can you take it down? And they won't respond. So then he contacts YouTube and says, this is up without my consent. Take it down. So they take it down. That's when the shit storm mm-hmm. begins. Debbie strikes again and oh, sends gosh. him an email. Daily Debbie. I don't think you've grasped the magnitude of what you have provoked. Your family better watch out. <gasps> Are they going to get tickled to death? They put his video not only back up on YouTube, but Vimeo, every video website there is. Then they start a personal website with his name, all his personal details from his address to his cell phone number, everything. Why? They dox him. About? I'm very they confused. send emails to the high school where he coaches what? and say the following. You don't want this guy in your league. Can you afford the distraction, the press, with an outed gay guy having a male tickling <gasps> fetish in which he likes to tickle and be tickled by tied-up gay athletes and bodybuilders? They also called him a drug addict and a child molester. This guy is neither of those things. He's also not gay. Oh. 
but he is dropped from various teams because of all this harassment and it basically ruined his life and he's very traumatized now let's take it back to the 90s this is not the first time a tickling empire has taken people down for being in tickling videos 90s aol a woman by the name of terry tickle is a thing like jane she hires people to shoot videos for her private collection Like Jane, she claims the videos will never be released and she releases them and then harasses these men. The guy who worked for Terry Tickle Mm -hmm. and was her casting agent to like find these men and get them to agree to this stuff, realized what was going on and he quit. Terry Tickle did not like that. She starts attacking her casting director. She sends his mother a poem. Roses are red, violets are blue. David Starr, which is this guy's name, has brought this upon you. Perhaps you wish David your failure, not Edward, were dead. This is a reference to David's dead brother. What? Yes. These people are psycho. If you think that's psycho. (laughs) One of the guys in this video was a Drexel student, and he was like, I don't want to do any more of these videos. And Terry Tickle proceeds to shut down Drexel University's email servers through cyber attacks and then ties it to his dorm room so they think it's him doing it. And then she does the same exact thing with email blast to the White House and the Secret Service shows up at his dorm room and is like, you're in trouble. And he's like, it's not me, it's Terry. Terry Tickle has mad skills. Still struggling to find the motive here. Mm -hmm. Wait, is this the 90s? Yeah. (gasps) This is like that movie, The Net. But so much worse and less Sandra Bullock. (laughs) Oh, I love that movie. So after this, some journalist in the 90s did some research and discovered Terry Tickle was actually a 39-year-old man who was an assistant principal by the name of (gasps) David D'Amato. Wait, okay, so no, they never met Terry Tickle. Terry Tickle and Jane O'Brien gets a casting director over email, never meets these people, to do all the business. And then Terry Tickle slash Jane O'Brien gives money. Slash the assistant principal. Mm -hmm. So David D'Amato is this assistant principal. He was at eight high schools over 10 years. So you know there's a problem. There's an issue then. He used a dead person's social security information to create this Terry Tickle persona. So the FBI gets involved and discovers like how deep this goes. He's like defrauding people, stealing identities, harassing people, threatening people. And so he was tried and jailed until today, right? Mm -hmm. Wrong. Wrong. Who's your daddy? His daddy is the co-founder of one of Wall Street's biggest law firms. So he gets off pretty easy. And Terry Tickle disappears from the internet after this case. But Jane O'Brien is born. And no one connects those dots. Except for our friend, the documentarian, non-problematic David. Okay, okay. So back to him, while he's trying to make this documentary, private investigators are following him, legal threats everywhere. He's like, I'm still doing this, I don't care. So he travels to Muskegon, this poor small community in Michigan and despite receiving death threats one of the current casting directors agrees to talk on camera oh oh wow bold he says there are tickle cells not just in LA tickle cells yes they're all over the world (laughs) so the whole way this works is they ply these poor men with money cars concert tickets electronics whatever they want electronics mm-hmm. like the way you said that like an old dad <laughs> well, like we tamagotchis ta- we are in the 90s remember <laughs> apparently we are okay. and then they use these tickling videos that they then produce as a means to control them and have power over them kind of blackmail whatever. them yes and he also noted that all the victims are straight and come from conservative backgrounds because mm-hmm. if you're openly gay and come from an accepting family you know these threats of like oh we're gonna call you gay and everyone's gonna know about you like that doesn't work don't work mm-hmm. So all these guys are like in the military or things like that. So eventually David D'Amato uploads accidentally a bunch of his personal files on the internet because he's bad at computers. I I don't really. Uh. Unforced error for sure. (laughs) Human error. (laughs) 
So all the receipts are there. He was impersonating the lawyers, sending all of these threats to our documentarian. What is Google Drive? What is, I don't understand. <laughs> what do you... There's receipts tying him to not only Jane O'Brien, but Terry Tickle. Guess who paid for the Hilton Conference Room in New Zealand? <gasps> David D'Amato. Yep. And all this money being funneled around in the tickling economy is from him and a trust fund that his parents left him when they tickling died. Tickling economy. Big tickle. Yeah. Big tickle. <laughs> TM. So David is still out there and he's still creating videos. Now that this documentary is out there and it's going around to Sundance and things, David D'Amato is sending private investigators and like weird people to threaten and derail these screenings. And then he himself shows up at one of them and causes a ruckus with a piece of popcorn in the corner of his mouth the whole time. He's on camera looking a mess. He's saying homophobic things and always threatening as usual, just like Terry Tickle does, just like Jane O'Brien does. And it's fucking crazy. It's just crazy. I still don't get it. Why is he doing this? A lot of people think he's a latent homosexual who can't deal with that. He's projecting his like latent homosexual yeah. feelings on other people and trying to get them to like, trying to control them. Well, also like we hear this kind of thing with certain Republican lawmakers who mm. go out of their way to be like, gay marriage is evil and I hate and gay they, adoption. Then we learn and then stuff. they're in bathrooms yeah. with men. It's like yeah. the lady doth protest too much. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like David D'Amato is protesting just a little bit too much. That's beyond protesting, honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Crikey. I hope he doesn't come after me for doing this segment. I, just, I really hope not uh, either. That, thanks for brazing that. <laughs> now, oh Christ, now we're a part of this. Now we're a part of this. Now we're part of this, Carly. Oh, great. A guy with like superior hacking skills. You've just mm-hmm. riled him? Oh, yeah. Gosh. No wonder you didn't want to do so, this segment. So I will ask my first question again. Oh, what do you think of when you hear the I'm, word I'm tickling? A, I'm going to stick with my original answer. I'm going to stick with Victim. that original. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm going to say that this all sounds very normal and lovely and uh, we shouldn't look at it anymore. G- goodbye. <laughs> so go watch this documentary, Tickled. Not, or, or not. Or not. Because it's really scary. So be careful out there. Guard your armpits. It's not yeah. safe. Who's giving everybody the giggles? It's Tickle Me Elmo. When your child tickles him, he talks, laughs, and his whole body shakes. Have you ever been tickled on the inside? I'm lonely. Are you lonely? Can I watch you go potty? So since we recorded our tickling segment a few days ago, this story has taken yet another bizarre turn. I can't imagine what it is. You know, I thought it would be David D'Amato coming to my house or your house or Carly's house. Clearly, I was prepared. I was bracing myself. But I can say he is not coming to your house because he died. What? Yes. They don't say how, but he was 55 and he's dead. Our rib cages are safe from tickling for now. For now. Until someone else takes the throne. It rises of the tickling claim. empire. So let's move on to the rest of our episode, which I'm happy to report is 100% less creepy. We 
talked about guilty pleasures once or twice on this show. Oh, once yeah. or twice or thrice. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about how there really are no guilty pleasures. And I agree that there are very few guilty pleasures. Maybe if you, there's something related to tickling, then maybe, you know. Yeah. But I do have a few shows that are on my list. I brace for the criticism before mm-hmm. I say that I watch them. And one of them is the HBO series Girls. Yeah, it's pretty mainstream. It is, but I still feel like I get a little side eye. There's some judgment huh. there. Yeah. What I will say is it varies wildly in quality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I can go from this is the worst show ever to what a wonderful oeuvre that <laughs> Lena Dunham has impacted the culture with. She's the voice of some generation. Maybe mine. Nice callback to yeah. the first ever episode of Girls. Yes. It can be an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. It can. It can. So there is one particular quote in this season in which Hannah Harveth, Lena Dunham's character, says something that has been stuck in my craw. I don't give a shit about anything, yet I simultaneously have opinions about everything. <laughs> okay, although she's not a real person, I really feel like that particular statement is sort of the general feel of our culture right now. Yeah, everyone has a hot take. I feel like mm. everyone has a hot take. Everybody's got a think piece. Everybody wants to be knowledgeable. And it's be an social media, on... isn't it? Yes. And so let me just slip on my orthopedic shoes. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to walk out to my lawn and shake my fist at all the young <laughs> whippersnappers who are messing up my garden. And I'm just going to say that I remember a time when we appreciated knowledge and learning. Uh huh. And it was okay to admit that you didn't know something. Yep. Right. Because in order to learn, you have to be in a place of vulnerability. Wow. <laughs> and you have to oh. say, you know what? I don't know, but you got to be willing to stand up and go to the mountaintop <laughs> and say, I receive you. So, anyway, you are Preach a born I'm just saying. orator. You really are. I know. Like, I had to like put my one hand on the other because I was trying to do a praise hand. Yeah. And I was like, not now. Not I now. had to tamp down the non existent hairs on my arm, which was standing to attention (laughs) saluting you so this week I'm bringing this question to you cooler cast and cooler listeners are we developing know-it-all attitude as a society like are we generally know-it-alls at this point well hang on a minute this is a very Carrie Bradshaw way to pose that question (laughs) and then I got to thinking to throw back to another HBO series (laughs) were the ancient Greeks correct Uh that Um, that some would argue is based on That the girls is based on, but you know. Mm-hmm. I think there's an immediacy to the internet that makes people think like they have to react instantly. And I, for me, the issue is people just not pausing, not pausing mm. to think. And just going straight in. Feel how they might feel about something in five minutes, ten minutes, a week. It's almost like if your opinion is not delivered within 30 seconds, it might as well not be delivered at all. And I know, Emmanuel, you feel that as the editor of KQED Pop. It's great. You should read it. Thanks for the plug. Thanks very much. <laughs> um, that unless it comes out really quickly, yeah. it's kind of not worth doing. Yeah. And when I first started that project, I felt so much pressure to always have a take on everything that happened and get it up very quickly. Mm. But when you do that, it's a lot of just fakery. <laughs> and also you step in it a lot when you are rushing to have an opinion. It's mm. like, um, just pause and actually come out with a considered viewpoint versus just typing a bunch of gobbledygook and just to get it, it out there. Mm. So just dial it back. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. Just a tad. Actually, Take a breath. A great instance of that is that viral video in which the expert on South Korea, who's giving an interview to the BBC, oh boy. he's in his home Ooh, office, the kids run in, child. everybody's watched it. Some really smart people jumped to conclusions and showed such ignorance online, on particularly on Twitter, by assuming that the woman that rushes in to get the kids is the f- because she's Asian and exactly. he's white. Oh, I missed that. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is a thing that people were like, oh, and you see the nanny come in and she looks so terrified. It's like, no, that's his wife. Yeah. That's not Ooh, the nanny. 
rush into judgment. But a lot of people just rush straight away. And those are the comments that I saw in like the hours following that, where people just really couldn't be bothered to wait. <laughs> well, you mentioned the internet earlier. And there was a I study did. that circulated in 2015 that talked a lot about how Google relates to how we think or how smart we think we are. Mm-hmm. And that the study said that people end up thinking that the information stored online is information they know themselves. So do you think that that's contributing to the fact that we think that we're more knowledgeable than we do? So we're like, oh, I can actually, I'm, I'm absolutely an expert on this topic because I saw a headline on Facebook last week. Yeah. <laughs> so let me, it's at my fingertips. I yeah. could look it up if I wanted to. Exactly. I just don't want to. You're I like, don't want to. Siri, but what is pi to the 15th degree? <laughs> I know that. I already knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I totally know that. So when is the last time that you heard somebody actually utter the phrase, I don't know? Like admit, like, you know what? I don't know that. Well, I think in, especially in like the workplace and like a traditional workplace, people, especially women, are taught not to say, I don't know, because it reveals weakness. You're taught to kind of couch that in like, hmm, great question. I will go and do some research and get back to you, you know, Mm -hmm. but admitting like, I actually don't know that. It's seen as a little bit revealing that if you don't know this, what else don't you Mm -hmm. know? You might not know anything and you probably shouldn't have your job. Yeah. And if everyone is pretending like they know everything and like kind of bullshitting when they don't know an answer and then you're the only one being real, Mm -hmm. then you look, like you said, unqualified for your job Uh or not good at it or whatever. And it just perpetuates the faking. So literally we're all rolling in bullshit Mm -hmm. just because, so it's the bullshit domino, right? Because it's like (laughs) if the the very first person (laughs) was like, you know what? I don't know. Then everybody else will feel comfortable be like, you know, I don't know either. But then we all just bullshitting together. To me, it seems it's the phrase fake it till you make it. Mm. It's been taken far too far. (laughs) A a tad. And we're all just faking it now. There are are a few people, one person in particular right now who has faked it all the way to the Mm. top. Don't know who you you mean. Don't know who you mean. Hmm. Yeah. No comment. (laughs) (laughs) Want to stay on there. So have you guys ever been in a position where you felt like pressure to fake a topic? Hmm. I mean, I know nothing about costume drama. Such a shallow, <laughs> glib response. But everyone assumes that I know a lot about certain period dramas that may or may not be showing on certain TV channels, mm. such as ours. Um, and I know nothing. I, they're not my, my my bag. And I know enough to fake it. I know enough about the plot lines and <laughs> who plays who to hold a, a, a quite a reasonable conversation with someone yeah. about them. But I, I don't know. That's something I bullshit on constantly. You're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, God, when that guy died, he fell out of the car. It was so sad. I used to do a lot of faking of, like, certain pop culture because when I was a kid, my mom would let me watch certain things. So you go to school and everybody's talking about something. Mm. It's like, did you see that? I'm like, of course, I saw it. Yeah, that last scene. Whoa. (laughs) I mean, I was just, I was just overcome that I don't even remember what it was. Yeah. Wow. I just blacked out. I just totally blacked out. What about you, Emmanuel? Obviously, anything LGBT related. Mm -hmm. In recent years, about the trans experience. Oh, yeah. Because they're like, all right, you're like adjacent. You're like part of the acronym. So you know everything. And I can't ask a trans person because I don't know any. And (laughs) so let me ask you this messed up, like bigoted question. And so I do my best to answer. But Mm -hmm. it's like, if you really want to know what it feels like to be trans, I'm not the person to mm. ask. You should go read a book or... But I feel the same way. I am the Blacks Encyclopedia. People come to me mm-hmm. and they ask me questions. They're like, Frederick Douglass, <laughs> what is his birth, month, and year? And, it, and you're I'm like, like oh. he's still alive, boo. And so did you, <laughs> no. did you feel the pressure? Too soon. <laughs> 
<laughs> so did you when did you stop or do you feel the pressure? Because some like I, I think I'm just now coming out of it, feeling the pressure to actually know the answer and be able to. For a while, I was like, I need to just go ahead and get my unofficial doctorate in African-American uh-huh. history, because clearly <laughs> people are going. To you are to the black me. experience exactly. personified. <laughs> all of it. All of, all it. of it. Just put into one woman. I'm trying to think of it in a different context where any desire from someone to learn more Mm -hmm. about someone's experience has to be positive, hopefully. And I'm just going to take it as that, even if there's something else going on. And also it's a compliment that they think we're smart enough to know a lot of things. You know what? That's a good point. And I think they know. (laughs) (laughs) Make it so you make it. (laughs) And I think it's reassuring that we're attempting to become more empathetic by knowing about each other's stories and like, putting ourselves in their shoes and that's not possible if say if someone doesn't know any trans people and I'm the closest that they can get to that mm-hmm. because I'm part of the LGBT you acronym. are trans adjacent mm. yes then I will do my best to help them understand that trans people are just people mm-hmm. and we shouldn't have laws dictating what they can do and when and where and all this stuff because they won't like it for themselves either yeah. so I think we could heal the world by having conversations even if Ooh. the question is a little misguided. Mm. You know what Preach. I think you should do? I think that you should print out business cards only. Your name is not on them. It's a book list. It's a reading oh. list. Oh. And so when people start coming to you, you're like, you know what, boo? Here you go. Here Just you go. hand it over Just silently. You. you slide it over the table. And, and Carly, I know you know every British person that has obviously, ever lived. The obviously. History. I also know all the bold all the people. <laughs> <laughs> all of that. All of them. <laughs> so I'm going to round this out with a few tips because I think it's important for us to admit that we don't know sometimes. Okay. Okay. So I went to careercoachingsitethemuse.com and they had a few tips. And there was a post called The Power of, quote, I Don't Know. Okay. Here are the benefits. One, you get information more quickly. Okay. You don't stop playing around. Just say, you know, I don't know. Find out what you need to know. Two, you foster stronger relationships because nobody likes to know it all. So stop pretending. Mm. Three, you live more authentically. Yes. It is exhausting to continue to pile bullshit. So just stop. I know your arms are tired. Mm. Just say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so if, if you're still having trouble with the phrase, I don't know, because Carly, earlier you said you don't want to say I don't know. And I know, I understand. Like as a black woman, you're like, I need to know everything. Mm-hmm. And as a woman, period, we're like, we can't be caught yep. in a conference room. Must saying, be authoritative exactly. at all times. So. Kat Bogart, who is a contributor for Inc.com, which Hi, is Kat. another site. Hey, girl. Another site that supports sort of like budding business owners and entrepreneurs has a few alternatives for you. Not alternative facts, but alternative cool. phrases. Okay. Uh-huh. So one is, instead of saying, I don't know, say, I'll find out. Oh, nice. I like that. I have the same question. You know? Right. I have the same mm-hmm. question. So you know what? Thing. We both don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but I have the same question. We're both dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and then that builds affinity because exactly. it, it's a little connection between So then you're the working on uh, it me, it me. It me <laughs> with the hand gesture <laughs> exactly. that I now do constantly and I can't <laughs> stop it. You can also say, you know, my best guess is dot, dot, oh. dot. Or why don't we ask fill in the blank? Huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. The internet. Exactly. Why don't we ask Google? <laughs> I'm a big fan of Ask Jeeves. <laughs> Nice. So I'm going to end this out with a little advice from one of the smartest people that I think any of us know, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yes. Who said, there is no shame in admitting what you don't know. However, I lost the rest of the quotes. <laughs> wow. Well, oh, you sorry, know what? Sorry, you don't know the, it. You don't know the, it. It's on the other page. Sorry. What a fitting <laughs> end to this segment. <laughs> there is no shame in admitting what you don't know. The shame is pretending you know all the answers. Oh, so wow. true. Because you will be found mm-hmm. out. And that's embarrassing. That is embarrassing. Just admit when Just you don't know. Let's say it together, guys. I don't know. 
I don't know. God, it felt good, didn't it? Mm. Mm. I love being dumb. <laughs> <laughs> don't look at me for answers. Don't ask me. I don't know. Okay, so guys. You know, I know, here on The Cooler, we are not afraid to discuss our loves and our hatreds in pop culture. Fearless. No, fearless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No matter how controversial or unpopular they mm-hmm. may be. Hashtag Mel Gibson. I, I was just about to say, I have previously confessed my indifference towards Stranger Things, the hit Netflix show that oh, I don't yes. care about, and my inexplicable inability to quit Mel Gibson. Yeah. That took a lot to admit. Mm-hmm. You know? And Emmanuel, your love for the Spice Girls. And Comes up often. utter yeah. refusal to engage with making a murderer. Yep. Legendary. <laughs> Jamidra, you love that CNN analyst guy. Oh, David Dave- Gergen. <laughs> I'm pr- I am proud of that. And you couldn't give a shit about Bruce Springsteen? No, no. You just don't care. You know but- it so well. <laughs> exactly. And I still haven't watched The Sound of Music. Is that something? Oh, yeah, okay. we'll do it. You're I'll killing me here. But okay, so that said, I'm here to confess another deeply unfashionable love that I have. And it's for the man known only as Keanu Reeves. Oh. <laughs> why do you make that sound? Why Stoner do you, Bay. Why do you look pained? Stoner Bay. <laughs> <laughs> why do you look pained? Why? Why does Keanu provoke that reaction because, in people? Because he is unable to present expressions on his face, so I have to do it for him. Okay. Boom. So you think he's a bad just, actor? I'm just, I you think he's, he's a bad actor. I just said that he sounds the same and looks the same in every movie. Okay. <laughs> every character that he's ever played. Emmanuel, do you concur? I don't really have... I'm like indifferent. <gasps> Intra- to me, like indifference is equally mind-boggling. Like, how could you be indifferent towards I appreciate speed, though. We talked about this. We I did. appreciate Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. I just saw John Wick. Oh, ho. No facial expression while he murdered all the Russians. He's a blank-faced hitman. That's what the role calls for. So I don't perfect. see why that's so a problem. He was perfect. <laughs> Listen, no Fairweather fan me. No mm-hmm. Fairweather fan. I've loved Keanu for many years, ever since I saw Point Break as a young thing, which is a movie that people often assume that I like ironically, and that is not so. <laughs> no. People are rather cruel about Keanu's acting ability, and in many cases, I think that's justified. <laughs> <laughs> In some films, like Dracula and Dangerous Liaisons, anything that requires him to be not like a 30-year-old American man, he is objectively dreadful. I know that, and that's fine. But guys, there are actors, and then there are movie stars. Oh. Mm. Okay, so, Keanu's yeah. a movie star. Just guys. like Tom Cruise. Exactly. I just, I just had a moment. Really? In which I was transported in my head oh. to a theater seat in which I watched Keanu on Broadway. What? I imagined- what? How dreadful that experience was. <laughs> oh, that's not real. Oh, it wasn't okay. real. <laughs> oh, it was a, a flight of fancy. Exactly. Uh-huh. Guys, how I know he's a movie star is because when I'm watching Point Break and f***ing Charisma Factory, Patrick Swayze is on the screen. Yes. The only person I'm still watching next to him is Keanu. And that's how you know when you're next to Patrick Swayze. When you got a bona fide movie yeah. star there. Exactly. But enough of all this. The reason he is back on my mind, he never really left, to be honest, <laughs> is that there is a frankly incredible, slightly bonkers profile of Keanu Reeves that is out on the internet, done by Esquire magazine. I think it's their UK version, so Ooh. it's full of Britishisms. And this interview is amazing. It's up there for me as a as a super fan of needlessly in-depth celebrity profiles. <laughs> it is up there with the best. We're not talking like, you know, iconic like Mr. Sinatra has a cold territory, but we're still talking like really, really good. It is long, mm. so I decided to extract the choicest, most batshit crazy things that Keanu Reeves 
observes during this interview. I can't wait to get to know him a little bit. Keanu Nuggets or Keanu Nuggets. Oh, you went there. Okay. <laughs> I did. Okay. She tried it. She tried it. It's like the McRib. It's only around sometimes. Exactly. It's seasonal. It's yes. seasonal. Yeah. Number one, his mother, who, by the way, was English. Cool. And is she, he Canadian? He, this is the thing. Keanu Reeves is a Canadian citizen. Why am I not surprised, But though? get this. I don't know what that says. Similarities between me and Keanu Reeves, right? I am not a Canadian citizen, but he is in the U.S. on a green card. Wow. Mm. I, too, have a green card. Okay. The similarities so are just So you basically had sex already. Basically. I'm about to get <laughs> to that. Listen, Rob is that about to is... kill everybody. Don't play. <laughs> Bullet point nine. <laughs> so his mother, his English mother, was a costume designer to people like David Bowie, which meant that people like Alice Cooper used to babysit Keanu Reeves. Oh, I know. Isn't okay. That sweet? He just went up a notch in my head. There you go. Okay. Number two. Keanu Reeves starred in The Day the Earth Stood Still in 2008, which was a sci-fi remake, and everybody hated it, and it kind of killed his career for a while. And so he refers to this movie as The Day My Career Stood Still. Oh, Isn't that sad? It's endearing. That's poetic. It's really endearing. I He's like him. very self-deprecating. Point number three. The director of John Wick, and this is the, the kind of action franchise that basically did what you know the Taken franchise did for Liam Neeson um, like it's like re- reinvented him as an action star I have my issues with that one too it's a problematic yeah. franchise mm. <laughs> that's a later segment that I will do I love that <laughs> um, but anyway John Wick was directed by this dude Chad Stalisky <laughs> he was Keanu Reeves' stunt double in The Matrix <gasps> I, I know full circle and so, like, what, did he just, like, call Keanu one day? It was like, hey, let's make a movie. So that's another positive that Keanu is nice to everyone who works with exactly. him. Not right. just the people on camera. He because elevates. Him in the stunt double. Exactly. Yeah, he kisses okay. up. No, wait. Yeah. Kiss, da- kiss, kiss down. down. Kiss down. Kiss down. <laughs> he doesn't kiss it. Do not kiss up. He's kissing somewhere. Do not do just that. Speak. So there you go. Number four. In the 90s, a school in Pasadena ran a course on the films of Keanu Reeves where students read Hegel and Foucault the better to gain insight into his stoic Detachment. That's a direct quote from the wow. So that's what they're calling it. And yeah, why, it's stoic detachment. Why is this class not available? I, I would have I don't loved. Know. Went the way of AOL, I think. Oh. <laughs> Number five, Keanu Reeves has said that his own gravestone would read, He played Ted. Wow. Oh. And he really likes Bill and Ted. He thinks Bill and Ted is a great movie. I mean, <laughs> with every point. Are you coming around to my way of yeah. thinking? He's and kind of a it hurts with every heartbeat, like Robin oh. says, but like hurts in a good way. Yeah. Number six, he is widely praised with refusing to make Speed 2, despite the director and Sandra Bullock literally like doorstepping him and being like, oh, you got to make this with us. He said, they said, you've got to do this. And I said, I read the script and I can't. It's called Speed. And it's on a cruise ship, (laughs) which is really funny. It was on a cruise ship. It's really slow. Yeah. And he said that after that, he didn't work at Fox for 15 years. Wow. Because he turned it down. But that leads me into point number seven, which is instead he went to play Hamlet. Keanu Reeves is Hamlet. Where? At a 789-seater <laughs> theatre in Winnipeg, Canada. Oh, so he was on stage. He was, he was. And he learned his lines for Hamlet while making Speed. And even though people mocked him, The Guardian wrote this review where they said, nodding to Bill and Ted, their review of him and Hamlet was, excellent, not. Which seems to be more referencing Wayne's World than Bill and Ted. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Hamlet has 1,476 lines. Jeez. FYI. He also learned everybody else's lines. Wow. So he knows all of Hamlet. You could just ask him and he'll just start reciting. According to this this critic, not well. (laughs) (laughs) To be or not to be, Ted. That is the question. Why why is he Abraham Lincoln? (laughs) (laughs) To be or not to be 
in Speed 2? Okay. That ah, is the question. He said it's is... called Speed and it's on a cruise. Yes. Yeah. Forsooth. Number eight. Like George Michael, Keanu is famously generous but never flashy about it. And apparently for the Matrix sequels, he renegotiated his contract so that the crew got a share of the fee. Aww. And that cost him tens of millions of dollars. But he was just like, oh, wow. it's fair. I should do it. But what I will say is there is a Reddit thread about all these stories about like Keanu Reeves was nice to me. And uh, apparently Keanu took someone for lunch. Apparently he gave someone $20,000 to prevent them from being evicted. And apparently oh he once stopped and helped a woman jumpstart her car. Are all those people you? <laughs> oh, I wish. I'd this is your way of car. paying him back. Yes. <laughs> Number nine. We're nearly done, guys. Don't worry. Remember the sad Keanu meme? No. Where he was, someone took a picture of him sitting on a bench wearing kind of shabby clothing, eating like food that looked gross and looking sadly at a pigeon. Hmm. And they kind of, this spread around the internet with like, oh, Keanu Reeves is sad now. This is terrible. He looks so sad in the picture. But the thing is, he was actually shooting a movie at the time. Like that's him in costume. And he was playing a guy that was oh, wow. kind of down and out. And he was genuinely just sitting down and eating his lunch and just being a bit like, oh, I'm tired. And someone took a photo. And But he thinks it's really funny. He said, like, he understands why people find it, like, hysterical and want to look at the photo. And, quote Keanu, it's my melancholy, my melancholic thing, the melancholic Dane. I thought it was funny. He still thinks of himself as Hamlet, guys. Wow. <laughs> he refers to himself as the melancholic the Dane. Dane. As in Danish dude. Yeah. Yeah. I like him. So How your hot take is... Keanu is basically Mother Teresa. Basically. Well, hang on. For my last point, you're going to particularly love this, Emmanuel. Yes. Finally, for a classic gut punch moment that is on a par with that interview that you and I talk about constantly with the white Michelle Williams, in which she talks about Heath Ledger. Yes. Do you want to just paraphrase it for us? She says that Mm. imagining what it would be like if he was still alive is her favorite place to go. It's too late for you to pull on my heartstrings uh, like that. Yeah, there sorry. is a comparable moment in this interview where they ask him about like family and stuff, and he says that he's probably not going to have any kids despite really wanting them. And the interviewer's like, why? Why? Like, you're Keanu Reeves. And Keanu says, it's too late. It's over. I'm 52. I'm not going to have any kids. What? Yeah. How would he think that? I know. And yeah, that's what the interviewer says. The interviewer's yeah. like, dude, look at Mick Jagger. And Keanu's like, oh, but he's ageless. Keanu is ageless. What I will say is, Keanu, if you are still interested, there are plenty <laughs> of people who are very willing to help you try. Okay, I was like, let me say you're going to end this because Rob is going to come in here and get on <laughs> all of us today. So, to end this meandering segment on why I love Keanu Reeves so much, if you would like to spend an upcoming rainy weekend bettering yourself in the company of Keanu Reeves, I just wanted to steer you right with some movie recommendations because he's made some terrible films that you should never watch. These are my personal top five Keanu movies. A Keanu-thon. If you will. I will. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Number one, Point Break. It's the best. Okay. Number two, Speed. Also fantastic. Come on. Yeah, gotta watch that again. Three, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, Oh, yeah. I have seen that. It's so good. Number four, The Devil's Advocate. This film should never have been made. It is literally a film about a lawyer that is the devil. Spoiler alert. Hence the title, Devil's Uh, Advocate. Is it a comedy? Uh, no, not even. It's really, really serious. Wow. And Keanu Reeves has a meandering Florida accent. Sometimes Ooh. it comes, sometimes it goes. No. And the last one, John Wick. Go and watch it. It's great. It's just a fun, pulpy B-movie. Okay. Bonus for Knock Knock, which is a fairly new movie he's in. It's fun and rude. It's kind of a morality tale about a man who gives into temptation with two very lovely ladies that knock Ooh. on his door in the middle of the night. Um, don't watch it with your parents. That's all I'll is say. Is this on pay-per-view? 
It is not. It's okay. on Netflix right now. Stop what you're doing. Go home, watch that. Lock the door, though. So if you liked Wild Things, <laughs> yeah. minus the pool. Minus the... No. Uh, oh, there's a pool? I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> so bring a towel. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> For multiple reasons. I'll just leave it at that. So I hope I've convinced you guys. I mean, I, I think he's what we need rather than what we want. Well, he sounds like a philosopher and a humanitarian and a hottie, and that's enough for me. God, I love Keanu Reeves. <laughs> so do I. The theme from Rocky, the theme from Speed, they all end with me wishing that I was on my knees, giving it to Keanu This week's Peek and Pit. I'm oh. going to roll into one. Okay. It goes to a situation that involves a four-year-old named Saglana Salchak. Hi, Saglana. So Saglana's a badass. She lives in Siberia. And recently, her grandmother fell ill and was not moving. Oh, no. That's bad. So she goes over to her grandfather. Homeboy's blind. He can't help. Jeez. Oh, so she's like, ugh. I'm going to take my four-year-old little butt out into the tundra and go to our nearest neighbor. Unfortunately, that nearest neighbor is five miles away. Jeez. The snow was chest high. Oh, my The God. temperature was as low as negative 29 Fahrenheit. What? It took her several hours to get to her neighbor's house. She almost missed it, and the neighbors saw her and were like, what the? Hey, Saglana, come over here. What? Siberians don't play. And she's like, my grandmother is sick. Like, can you please help me? Also, I might be dying. I'm really cold. And so, you know, people go back. Find the grandmother. She's dead. She was dead Aww. the whole time. Oh, Manuel. Saglana only took a matchbook with matches in it for her journey. She's literally the match, the little she match girl. She is a little match girl. But she lived. And she recently celebrated her fifth birthday in a social center because oh. she shouldn't have been living with really old grandparents who can't take care of her in the middle of Siberia. Is, is this a happy story or not? I'm, just, I'm waiting for the, the peak. So yeah. here's, here's what we're going to do. The peak is that she's alive. The peak is that young children are resilient. Mm -hmm. They They will walk in negative temperatures for miles to do something out of love. With a box, you can throw a lot at young kids. The pit is snow exists and cold weather exists, Uh, and I'm not about that. Which leads me to the song of the week, (laughs) which is which is a song by a band called Power Bottom. Oh. Only the consonants, though, all uppercase. Per bottom. They're an American queer punk duo. They have a whole song called I Want a Boy, which is about how they want a boy who will keep the bed warm while they're showering and like out in the house when it's cold. Like, keep my stuff warm because Wolf. I hate being cold. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Saglana up in here. Mm-hmm. And so I thought the song was cute. I also run cold and I'm always mm-hmm. cold yep. and Lizard. need to be with people who bring me warmth i'm with you either emotionally or physically whatever well, i like to think we do that for you yeah you do like i'm sweating right now it would be nice if you'd said it but you know <laughs> <laughs> pull it on out of him <laughs> it was between the lines so i dedicate this power bottom song to you carly and jamidra yes, for thanks. keeping me warm yes. through the days and nights and saglana happy fifth birthday stay warm boo i want a boy to keep the bed warm while i shower 
I want a boy to keep the bed warm while we're watching TV. I want a boy to keep the bed warm when the whole house is freezing. I want a boy who isn't anything like me. I want a boy who doesn't like to go out shopping. Thanks to our podcast papa, David Marcus. Thanks to Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs for our amazing theme song that you hear at the beginning of the show. And thanks to Jay Simpson for helping me edit. Please subscribe on iTunes. Also rate us if you like us. If you don't, um, you never heard this. Until next week, find us on social media. I am Excuse My Beauty without the first D on Twitter. I am at Teacup in the Bay. I am at Jimmy Says. Follow us. Favorite our stuff. Retweet. Bye. Bye. Bye.